And as you are, open your Bibles again to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. You know, as we come and begin to kind of worship together this morning, I think it's interesting and even important to remember that uh, we're not the only ones meeting to worship God on this Easter morning, that there are people all over the county that are meeting together, they're joining to worship uh, God. Um, There are people all over the country that are doing the same. And by the end of the day, there will be people literally from every nation across the world uh, that will be celebrating this day, the day that we set apart to truly focus and recognize that, uh, that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has risen up from the grave. And I think that is an awesome idea that other people all over the place will be celebrating the same thing that we are today. And for many of those preachers that preach, they'll, they'll basically approach this sermon in uh, very similar to the way that I have in the past. And that is they'll begin uh, by, by presenting several proofs for the resurrection to try to convince and try to show that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is certainly reasonable, plausible, and is in fact a fact. And so that's the way that we normally begin our Easter sermons. And and oftentimes we then take that and begin to talk about the implications of what it means that Jesus is alive to show the relevance for our life. And then at the end we call for a response. Well, this morning I'm going to kind of go the opposite way and kind of do something a little bit different this morning. What I'd like to do is I'd like to begin by asking you a question. A question, and here's the question, is what if Easter didn't exist? How would that change things? If Jesus Christ never raised from the dead, what would actually be different in your life and in my life? Now, I understand by asking that particular question, that, uh, or that particular question raises some powerful ramifications and some profound implications of it. But I'm not the first person who has ever asked that question. What if Easter never existed? What if Jesus never truly uh, uh, rose from the dead? Uh, There have been many people who have actually asked that throughout the course of the centuries. And one of them, one of the earliest, was the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, almost 2,000 years ago, he wrote to a church, the church at Corinth, and he suggested the same thing. In essence, he said, he said, what if Easter didn't exist? Now, he didn't use that kind of terminology because they didn't have the term Easter then. But this is how he said it. In verse, in verse 12, he said, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. The reason he's suggesting and asking this question is because there was a problem going on in that first century church. And the problem was, was that many of the believers were getting their theology mixed up with worldly pagan philosophy. Many of the pagan uh, Greek philosophers were teaching during that particular day. They were basically suggesting that, hey, when a person dies, man, that's it. Uh, Their spirit goes off, but their body stays right here in the grave, and and, and that's it. Now, the reason they suggested this is because in their Greek pagan philosophy, they believed that anything material, including the flesh, was completely and utterly sinful. And anything that dealt with the spirit was good. So So that which was good would continue to live, and that which was bad would completely die. But Paul understood that this was not the teaching of Christ. This was not teaching of Christianity. In fact, what we do understand is when a person dies, their body does go into their grave. The spirit does ascend into heaven. But it's waiting for one day when God returns, when Jesus Christ returns at his second coming. The Bible says that those who have passed away will descend with Christ from heaven. And their bodies, 
whatever condition they were in, they will be glorified at that point and they will be reunited spirit and body and live with God from that point on for eternity. And so what Paul is ultimately saying is, hey, listen, if you guys reject the possibility of a physical resurrection, then what you do is you reject the truth that Jesus Christ was resurrected as well. And then what he does is he says, listen, I want to give just a few ways, a few implications of that kind of thinking. I want to show you what it would be like if Jesus didn't resurrect. I want you to know what it would be like, what your life would be like if there was no Easter, if Easter did not exist. And so that's what we want to look at this morning, just a few things. If Easter didn't exist, first of all, then you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. The Bible says in the word of God, it says in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. When he says then our preaching is in vain, he's referring to himself and he's referring to all those that were called during that time, including the other apostles, including the disciples, those that went about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ, before he ascended to the heaven, into the heavens, he told them, he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And so that's what they did. They took that command literally and they begin to preach the gospel and they took it throughout all the world. And he says, listen, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, he says, then he goes, our preaching is in vain, which means it means absolutely nothing. It's completely and utterly worthless. Now I want to let you know that if Christ did not rise from the dead, then I have a serious problem on my hands. And that is because I believed as a young man that God was calling me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what I did in college is I went to a Bible college because I wanted to prepare for the ministry to tell people about what Jesus did for them. Then I got out and went to the ministry. Then I went back again for another three years to go to seminary. And then I got out again and began to preach. And then I continued to go and get even more education, all for the purpose of understanding the gospel more so I could share it with more people. So that is bad for me because in essence, if Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, guess what? I have been wasting my entire life. Isn't that exciting? And I've been wasting my wife's money. You got that? So you understand how bad this is for me. And here's the sad part is, but before you feel too badly for me, you got to kind of feel bad for yourself because there are some of you and I get it. Some of you are here. You don't normally come. You are here because of the begging of your friend. Okay. I get it. All right. And I just want to be as the pastor of this church. I want to be the first one to really, really apologize to you this morning because you have really wasted your time. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, you should be in bed. You got that? You should be in bed. You should eating brunch somewhere. You should go out in a boat or at least go out on the beach and I'm out of bees, but, but you could be doing all kinds of things that start with B. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, you're wasting your time. Now, before you get up and run out and get angry, let's feel bad. Not only for me and for you, let's feel bad of the sorry sap that invited you here. Because the truth of the matter is as pathetic as I am for proclaiming nonsense they show up every week to hear the nonsense. Are you with me? As a matter of fact, there are some of you here that at a very early age, you bought into this whole gospel thing. Somebody came and shared you, shared you these, these, quote, truths about Jesus Christ, and you fell for it hook, line, and sinker. 
In other words, you didn't just believe it as in just uh, agreeing with the gospel truth. You believed it. I mean, you believed it to where you placed your whole faith and your whole life on this truth. And you have modeled your life and directed your life on this truth. In fact, what you did is growing up as a believer, you chose not to go to the parties that everybody else did. Instead, stay up playing uh, Nintendo all night while everybody else was getting their groove on. All because you believe this Jesus thing. Okay? You guys with me? Is anybody with me? Did anybody? Maybe you went to the party. I don't know. But for some of you, it made that big of a difference. And for some of you, every single week, you miss the beach and the boat and all that other kind of stuff. And you come here to hear absolute dribble, all right? Absolute nonsense, which really doesn't affect or impact or change you whatsoever. You're basically chasing nothing more than a hoax. And what's really bad about it is some of you are even taking it more seriously. Some of you actually serve here. Not just showing up, you're actually like, well, I would like to serve. And then you come and you take it and you say, because I want to teach people about the gospel that I believed in when I was little. So I want to teach these little kids. And some of you do it at your home. You read the Bible and you lead your children and you're trying to teach them. Hey, listen, this is truth. This is truth. This is what you ultimately need to do. And you're you're busting your chops over this stuff, right? And then, listen, I haven't even told you the worst of it yet. If Jesus Christ did not rise, then some of you are wasting your money. (gasps) Some of you have actually paid for this building. Some of you have actually, week in and week out, catch this, people actually give their funds so that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed throughout the entire world. And just think what you could have if you didn't tithe and give money. Think about it for a second. Think about how cool of a car you could have. Just think, you might be able to have actually gotten the sunroof. You might actually be able to go on vacation and not stay at the Hotel Six. You might just think of the glorious things. And here's the deal. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, buddy, go for it. Forget about the kingdom of God. Build your kingdom. Buy the stuff, man. Right? If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then guess what, man? You are really a pathetic group of people being led by a really pathetic man. Do you feel good this morning? If Jesus Christ did not arise, we're simply wasting our time. Secondly, this will make you feel even much better. You're a liar. You're a liar. Look what the word of God says in verse 15. He says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. What he simply says here is he says, hey, listen, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then we are not true good witnesses. We're false witnesses because we're going around taking our whole life, telling people and even bothering people to share with them this quote, what we call good news to let them know that God has come and saved them. And he says, so we proclaim to be true witnesses of God. But if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, he goes, we're nothing more but li- nothing more than liars. He goes, we're bold-faced fi- lying to people. That means I am a liar. And guess what? It means that some of you have been lied to. Have you been invited? I know your friend. I know they've been trying to tell you about Jesus. And you're like, okay, whatever, whatever. I'll go to church. Just shut up. If I go to church, will you stop telling me about Jesus? Let me tell you something. 
If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, you don't listen to a word they say. And shame on you. Shame on you people, you quote Christians, who claim that, 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 that you have the answer. But if Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, shame on you because you are making yourself miserable and you're making those around you miserable. See, you're making yourself miserable because you're always feeling like this compulsion to share your faith. I got to share my faith. This is the only way out of hell. I got to share my faith. I got to tell people the truth of Jesus Christ. And you're beating yourself up all the time. Because you feel guilty when you don't do it. Then you feel guilty when you do it because you don't feel like you did a very good job doing it. Are you with me? So give yourself a break. Shut up. Keep your mouth closed. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then don't share that nonsense and dribble with anybody. And guess what? You shouldn't share it because you're not only making yourself miserable, but you're making everybody else miserable as well. Because in fact, what you're doing is you are bringing light to unsuspecting people of a problem, and that is the ultimate judgment of God and the wrath of hell on their life because of their sin. And you're, you're, you're claiming to have an answer to save them from that. But if Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, man, you were a liar. And all you've done is waken up them up from their slumber and told them of a problem that you have no solution to. Shame on you. If Jesus Christ didn't resurrect, then you need to stop it now. Because it's not loving, it's cruel. So the Bible says, he says, listen, if, the, if Easter didn't exist, you're wasting your time. You're a liar. Do you always get, isn't that neat when you get, come to church and have a feel-good message like this? Isn't it wonderful? Now here's the third thing. He says, you're dead in your sins. You're dead in your sins. Now let me just say this just for a moment. The other things are really bad. For somebody to tell me that I'm wasting my life kind of angers me. For somebody to tell me that I'm a liar, boy, that just puts me over the top. That, those are fighting words right there. But all of a sudden, when I am told that I'm still dead in my sins, and all of a sudden I go from being angry from becoming frightened. Because if I am still, and you are still dead in your sins, what that means is that you still have a sin, sin debt that you have not paid for. And if you have a sin debt, it means that the very wrath of a holy God is being stored up for you. And one day at the day of judgment, that the very wrath of God will bear down on you with its full weight. And you will spend an eternity separated from God in a fiery hell with no escape. You know, we live in a world and we live in a universe that's really bound by rules. We live in a county that's, that's, uh, that's bound by rules. Go ahead and speed a little bit down this road and see if you don't find somebody who's impacted rules. We live in a county with rules. If I were to drive to church this morning uh, going 90 miles an hour in a 35 mile per hour zone, I have to keep saying that to myself down this road because I keep wanting to go 45, but it's 35. And keep going down, and a sheriff's officer pulled me over and said, said, dude, um, listen, you, you were speeding. You're going 90 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone. He would then give me a ticket. And in giving me that ticket, it would not only demonstrate my guilt, but with that ticket, he would also tell me that there was a penalty for me to pay because I broke the law. And that penalty would be several things because I was speeding so fast. It would be partially, he would say, you have to pay this amount financially, monetarily, this kind of fine. But you also need to have some, some community service to be able to pay it off. And you might also even have to go to jail 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You might spend a little time in jail. And until you pay your debt to society, you will be in debt and you will be guilty, found guilty, until it's paid off. Well, it's very similar to the world and the universe in which we live. Our God has created this world with laws. 
And each and every one, the Bible says, has broken God's laws willfully. We have done it. And in the same way we've broken his laws, he says when we break them, there is a penalty for us breaking the law of God. But the penalty is not community service. The penalty is not financially paid. It is not merely being in prison for a certain period of time. The Bible says that the consequence, the penalty, the debt that we have is physical and spiritual death. That cannot, that we cannot pay any other way than just paying for it for all eternity, separated from God in a literal fiery hell. That's the penalty. And so what, he's, what we find out here is if Jesus Christ didn't ra- rise from the dead, if he wasn't raised from the dead, then you and I are still in that pathetic, horrible position. And you say, well, why is that? Because if Jesus was still in the grave, it would demonstrate that God did not accept his sacrifice on your and my behalf. God raised Jesus up. At least this is the belief in the teaching of Christians that God raised Jesus up. And because he raised him from the grave, what he was demonstrating was that the sacrifice he made, the payment towards our sin debts that he made, our sin that we are guilty of, that guess what? That he accepted that payment for our sin. Therefore, there is no, therefore, no condemnation, no judgment upon us any longer. And he says, and there is no longer the wrath of God being stored up for us because it poured out on the person of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. But here's the deal. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then you and I have big problems. Then you and I are still in our sin and the judgment of God is still being stored up for us for the day of judgment. So if, there was, if Easter didn't exist, we're wasting our time, we're a liar, we're dead in our sins, and notice this, you're without hope. You're without hope. The Bible says here, in the Word of God, verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, look at verse 18, then those who also, there are those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He's drawn to the reflection of all those who went before us who had given their life to Christ and lived for Christ. He ultimately says, he says, you know what? You had a hope that when they died, their suffering would be over and they'd wake up in glory with Jesus Christ. He says, you have no hope because they are not in glory. They are in hell. You know, this last week we had a funeral Monday for Billy Kittrell who passed away two weeks ago. And one of the things is there was a lot of tears and a lot of crying. But it was interesting because the reason we were crying is because we missed Billy. We missed Billy. Because we loved him. We loved him being here. We loved him greeting out front. Uh, His wife missed him. His family was going to miss him. And they began to cry. But the hope that I could encourage them with is that Billy's suffering was now over. No more suffering. But here's the deal. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, then no matter what kind of suffering we see people go through here this earth, it is nothing compared to the suffering that is to come. And so what you and I have to do is you and I have to fear death with everything that is in us. And we need to work out and we need to walk away from the Twinkie and we need to do everything we possibly can, folks, to take our health seriously. Because if we don't, one day we are going to be, we're going to be dead and we're going to be doomed for everlasting punishment and torment. That's a horrible thing. There is no hope if there is no resurrection. Now notice this, the final thing, you are most to be pitied. You are most to be pitied. Verse 19 says, If in Christ you have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. He's kind of summing everything up. 
And in this particular context, he's saying, if all we have is hope in this life of Jesus Christ, of a better life to come, then we need to be pitied. Why is that? Think of a first century believer different than America Christianity, okay? It's true salvation. When they got saved, when they gave their life to Jesus Christ, they were laying their very life on the line. When they said, I'm going to follow Jesus, what they did was their families would leave them. They would disown them. They would lose their jobs. They would struggle financially. And ultimately what would happen is many of them would be sawn in two, fed to the lions, boiled in oil. They would literally suffer because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, claiming all that, sits there and says, hey, listen, if you're going to live this life of self-sacrifice and you're not going to live for yourself, instead you're going to die to self for the pursuit, but yet there's nothing to come and this is all there is because Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, then you know what? Christians, those so-called Christians who have dedicated their life in sacrifice to God, guess what? There's nobody more pitiful than you. There's no story more sad than to see a bunch of people walk around believing in something that's nothing more than a hoax. It's all because, that's all if Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead. But then Paul says something different. But. But in fact. Christ has been raised from the dead. He says but. Hold on. Wait a minute. I know we're going down this way. And these are all the horrible terrible no good very bad things that would happen to you. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead and you placed your faith in him. He says but in fact. In fact he is saying Jesus Christ indeed according to the facts did rise from the dead. We know the facts. We know that over 500 eyewitnesses saw Jesus over a period of 40 days claiming that they had seen him, talked with him, eaten with him, heard him, even seen him, uh, saw him uh, ascend into heaven with their own eyes. The Bible teaches that 10 out of 12 of the disciples were martyred. You say, who cares? People are martyred for all kinds of religions. Yeah, but not when they know that it's a lie. Men do not die for something that they know that is a lie. And if they were lying about Jesus ascending, guess what? They would have buckled underneath the pressure, but they didn't because they knew that Jesus Christ was alive. The scriptures tell us again that the Roman guards testified to the empty tomb in fear of their life. For them to say, hey, look, we fell asleep and and, and the body is gone and we don't know how to explain it. They knew that them just saying that could have cost them their life. And finally, we know because the religious leaders took part in an elaborate cover-up, at that particular point, what they did was they said, we need to lie about this. We need to cover it up. Instead of accepting the fact that Jesus truly did rise from the dead, what we need to do is let's lie and say the disciples did it. So what he says is he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, because Jesus Christ was the first to rise, he's, he's saying, then many others are going to be able to rise on account of him again. There's many more who will rise up in the physical resurrection as well. So here's the deal. Jesus rose from the dead. And that changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. Instead of everything being so diminished and so lost and so helpless and so frustrating and so worthless, everything becomes positive. Everything becomes great. Everything becomes wonderful. The Bible says now that we are not the most to be pitied, but rather we are to be envied. Why? Why? Because we are not without hope, but rather with full hope. 
We have hope for those who have passed before us. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14 says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that they may not, they may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Because there are hope for those believers who entrusted God, who have died or in the grave and now are with him, there's a hope for you because of Jesus Christ. There's a hope for you that when you die, that's not it. That there's more life to come, true life to come. This is just a little snapshot, but now we know for all eternity, we can dwell with him. That's a great hope. The Bible says as well that we are no longer dead in our sins, but alive in Christ. Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. That means that through the shedding of his blood, it made us right before God. Because why? He paid our penalty of sin. Sin that we could not pay for. A position we could not pay for. He says, but because of the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, now no longer are we dead in our sins, but we're alive in Christ. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. He says, guess what? Because Jesus Christ did, in fact, raise from the dead, the most awesome thing about this is now is what? Is that now the wrath of God is no longer on us. It's no longer stored up on us. Instead, it was placed and it fell out fully. And Jesus Christ fell the full weight of that brunt of that wrath on him when he was on the cross for those number of hours. So that you would not have to. And so the Bible says only there, he says, we are not liars, but proclaim and share the truth that sets others free. I know that some of you are probably tired of your mom and dad sharing the gospel with you. I I know that. I know some of you are probably very, very tired of your spouse sharing the gospel with you, the truth with you, the things about the Bible with you. I I get that. I I know that. But I want to let you know that what they are telling you is absolutely and 100% true. They cannot help but to tell you. Because they know that the only thing that is standing between you and eternity in hell is your sin. And the only way to be able to separate it from that sin and have that sin paid for is through what they're telling you that Christ did upon the cross for you to repent and place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you do not, they know that you will perish. They know that there is no hope for you. So they cannot tell. So this is what I want to encourage you, those that are sharing your faith. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes you sit there and you're saying it and you say, I'm not saying it right. But what I want to tell you is there is no need for you to be ashamed. And there is no need for me to be ashamed because the Bible very clearly says this Romans 1 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. We do not be ashamed of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the only thing that is standing in the way of that person in eternity in hell. Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave then guess what? We are not liars, but proclaim and share the truth that can set others free, just as it set us free. And finally, we are not wasting our lives, but making our lives count. You're not wasting your time when you come to the house of God. You're not wasting your time when you're sitting there struggling through the scripture, sitting there going, I don't know what this is saying, but I'm struggling. You're not struggling. Look, 
you're not wasting your time trying to live for God. To resist those things that are displeasing to Him. And to do what is pleasing to Him. You are not, right now, wasting your time when you use your gifts to serve Him. Or to use your finances to propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to build and ascend for His kingdom. In fact, the sad part is, is that if we are to use our time and talents and finances for anything else, that's what's ultimately a waste. Do not pity a true believer in Jesus Christ. Do not pity them because there's nothing to be pitied. They should be envied. But where the true pity comes, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way. I mean pity in the sense of having complete and utter compassion for somebody who is in a bad shape and wanting to do all we can for them. Is a person that needs to be most pitied is a person who has not repented, placed their faith in the completed work, and does not, as a reality, know that Jesus Christ lives, and because he lives, they can live. And so what I want you to do is two things. For the believer, I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to be encouraged by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to sit there and say, wait a minute, I might be tired, I might be down, but there's no other reason to live. What else would I do? But to put everything through the truth that I know because my Savior lives. And for you who know, and I don't mean because you prayed a prayer or because you signed a card or because you walked down or because you were baptized or because your mommy or daddy are saved or because your your grandpa saved or he was a preacher or he was a deacon. I don't mean any of that. I mean for you, are you saved? Yes, I believe. I don't care. I don't care that you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. What I'm saying is, do you believe in such a way and have such a faith that has radically transformed your life so that now your life is a life pursuing the person of Jesus Christ? If it is not, then the reality of Jesus' resurrection is not a reality in your life. It's plain and simple. Because I understand the apathy that happens in Sunday mornings as we come. Well, I know all this. I know that I'm not a good Christian, but I believe false. False. The Bible says that those are those are the ones who stand before God and say, Lord, Lord, did we not? I went to church. Everyone. I did all these things. And he says, depart from me because I never knew you. The way you know a child of God is that he follows his father. He follows and lives in pleasure to do all that is God has called him to do. We do not believe. The scriptures do not teach easy believism. It does not say, oh, I just believe kind of and my whole life demonstrates something else. Unless your life has been transformed by the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his breaking death in sin, a true believer means that, that God has broken the bonds of sin and death in you. And though you're not perfect, you're doing everything to pursue the person of Jesus Christ and be like him. So what I want you to do this morning is say this, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ a true reality in your life? And if it is not, repent. Turn from your sin. Come to God. Tell Him, I am a sinner. I am deserving of death. There is nothing I can do to earn salvation. God, right now, I come to you. I turn from it. And I believe that you paid it all for me. And I'm going to accept what you did on the cross for me by faith. And in doing so, I know that you will save me. You do that. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will 
be saved. So let me ask you this this morning in close. I asked, what if Easter didn't exist? Well, the truth of the matter is it does exist. The question is, does it exist for you? Does it exist for you? Is it for you a reality? Does it make a difference for you? If not, you need to be saved. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand to your feet and we're going to pray.